As we come to this passage, it'll be from John 12. We'll pick up the reading from verse 12 of what's often called the triumphal entry of Jesus. But I had the opportunity to go this week, and Pastor Claire and I went to Europe Shall Be Saved, a leader summit that they have, and the vision that they have to see 100 million souls come to faith over the next 10 years. It's just amazing. And uh, with that vision, we're absolutely in line with. And, you know, Europe, they, I suppose they ignore Brexit. So as far as they're concerned, we're still part of Europe. So hallelujah. We'll take, we're the nearest continent. That's the continent. We're just kind of an island over here. So anyway, not insulting anyone. So bless you. And, uh, but I have to say, one of the guys that we were having a chat with, and we were talking about the Bible, and he made a comment to me that, made me a bit uneasy in my spirit. And he, and he said that, well, well, he was talking about Corinth in the, the book of Corinthians. He says, well, that was written just for them. It's not for us. We needed something different. And I, I was like, now he wasn't one of the leaders, please hear me. He was just a guy I was having a conversation with. And I was like, uh, no. And I just want to be really clear here at New Hope. We believe that this book, the Bible, is eternally true. It's breathed by God. You need to understand this. It's breathed by God. All right, I use this illustration with the little ones often. If I took a balloon and I blew it up, see it? What color is it, Jason? Can you see it there? Use your imagination. It's gray. Well, I want to get a colorful one for you, you know. And I let the air out. My daughter would say, ew, dad, you need a mint. (laughs) But the breath inside contains the quality of the one who breathed into it. And the Bible says, well, actually, if God blew up a balloon and... (coughs) (coughs) be Be the very breath of God. God said that he breathed through holy men of God. So that as they spoke, what you have in your hands is God's holy breath in writing. It's equally inspired. We don't say to Moses, you're more inspired, or Jesus, you're more inspired. We don't do that. It's equally inspired because it's what's written. Even Jesus is often quoting, it's written, it's written, it's written. So he had a very high view of God's Holy Word. Even the Old Testament, he had a high view. So I've heard people say, well, we believe in the New Testament, not the Old. Do you realize that the New Testament is 70% quotes of the Old? So you say, well, I don't believe in that part. I only believe. Here at New Hope, we believe that the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, those 66 books are authentically God's holy breathed word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word never. Yeah. And so I want to encourage you that, that you, you, as you read it, even the Old Testament, there's some of them are examples, some are good, some are not so good examples. But we learn. And God washes us in the water of his word. And sometimes there'll be those words that it's like, it's almost like he breathes on it afresh for us and it becomes almost like really super personal. And faith rises in your heart. 
It's called the Rima Word of God. It says he's speaking, he is speaking to you. I remember when I was an early believer, there was a guy who was helping to disciple me. I was a rough kind of guy. The fact that he did it was amazing, really. If I didn't agree with you, I'd like, I don't agree with you. I'd be like very, but I, I was like, look what I found. Look what I found. I show these verses. Look, this verse is so cool, like blah, blah, blah. And, and, he, and, and he very politely, very calmly, he was an Indian guy. And he said, oh, wait. He said, that's not you. That's the Holy Spirit showing you that. And I was like, that's even better. Because it's not left up to my own understanding or how smart I am. God was speaking to me through his holy word. So spend time there. Hear his voice. Learn his voice. Amen? So when we read this passage, this isn't just, it is history. It's not just history. May I suggest to you, in fact, it was prayed. I'm not sure who prayed it while we were praying about the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God. And I'm going to show you, this is the King of Kings bringing war. Oh, Lord, help us. I know in our generation, we don't like the idea of war. Listen, there is a peace that only happens on the other side of war. Uh, I can tell this is, I gotta, I gotta hammer this one a second. The thing is, listen, I know we, we don't like war. We don't like killing, and I agree with that. But if you allow evil people to remain evil and dominate the innocent, then you're just as guilty. You need to hear this, saints. But our way of warring is not the way the world wars. Our warfare isn't against flesh and blood. But that doesn't mean that you don't deal with those that do evil. You don't go silent. We don't not speak up. See, there's a phrase in the, in the Sermon on the Mount that those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, many people won't even stand up for righteousness, much let's get persecuted for doing so. Because they just leave it. Oh, I don't want to get involved. It's not my, it's not my job. Well, praise God that Jesus didn't take the same mindset. Well, it was your sin. You got your own self in a problem. Get your own self out. Said Jesus never. Mm, Lord, help us. Jesus came not to bring peace, but a sword. And I'm sorry if you don't like it, that's true. This is what Jesus said. And he comes here now declaring war. It's an absolute open declaration of war. Let's read what he does. Now the way he wars is different than the way the world wars. And there's something that we can understand and learn. Verse 12, it says, The next day a great multitude had come to the feast. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, 
sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, many, for this reason the people also met him because they had heard he had done this sign. And the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. <coughs> They're really ticked off. The parables that Jesus is going to speak over this next week as he brings judgment on them. This is the end of his ministry, earthly ministry. He's going to pronounce it on them. He's going to call them, you brood of vipers. He said, you search for um, people who will follow you. You go high and low, but you make them twice the son of hell as you are. He says that, that, that you, 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 you don't do mercy and justice, but you're more worried about if you swallow a bug than caring for people. He's bringing war. He's bringing it not, not from a, a sword that, 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 that takes people's life. He didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So the war he's going to do is different. He doesn't come on a white horse. He is going to, Revelation 19. He will come on a white horse. But not here. I'm going to tell you a secret in warfare. It's called meekness. No, I'm going to tell you, this is not popular. And I watch some of these Facebook video things. I ain't hanging with nobody that's not kind of going to make me look better. Like, what? Could you imagine Jesus saying to the disciples, I'm not hanging with you, you guys are bringing me down. Meekness is, is an attitude of acceptance. God, you have a purpose and your purpose for me is good. Full stop. You need to get that. God works all things together for good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. He has a way even taking the brokenness that we've been through and making it good. That's impossible. But God does what's impossible. But Jesus comes in war in meekness. Oh, Lord, help us. He comes not out of self-interest. He didn't come to be served. Is he the king of glory? Absolutely. Is he the king of all kings? Absolutely. Is he the, the glorious God made flesh? Absolutely. Is he deserving of all worship and praise? Absolutely. Is he deserving of all allegiance? Absolutely. He's the most beautiful being in all of the universe and every other universe. He is worthy of praise, even in the angels. And he comes on a donkey. Anyone ridden on a donkey? Some of you guys, you ride ponies, but not donkeys. Not going to get far on a donkey, maybe. I don't know. I don't think it kind of does the, the job. Smelly animals, really. <laughs> Side note, if Jesus can use a donkey as his platform, you and I got hope. 
but he's declaring war. He comes lowly. You know, even when Jesus was on trial, it said he opened not his mouth. There's a place that you can come to in God that sets you free from self-interest. And self, you know, people tell me, put yourself out there. No, I won't do it. I don't have to. Humble yourself under his mighty hand and he will lift you up. Oh, that we would learn this. I'm gonna speak to some of you guys who are evangelists. Praise God for the gifting he's given and the calling. Stop fighting for someone else's platform. Let God use you as his wherever you go. But there's war in it. It's not done by carnal means. Peter tried when Jesus gets arrested, he tries to defend Jesus using a real sword. And Jesus, put your sword away. Those who live by it, die by it. Anything that advances the kingdom of God with a violent sword, a real sword to shed blood, is satanic. Any religious system that thinks they advance the kingdom of God in murder is satanic. (laughs) Islam is satanic. It says you get to the kingdom by killing. That doesn't come from heaven. Meekness. He comes meekly in gentleness. It's not out of self-interest or self-assertedness. He's not just going, just look at me. He is, he deserves every eye on him. But he comes lowly, riding on a donkey. There comes a place where you can trust God to be your defender instead of you attacking people to defend yourself. Oh, this is, I don't know, I don't know if this is hitting home. Because some of you get mad at people around you because they're not doing what you want, they're not giving you what you want, they're not making you feel as important as you think you should be treated. Remember when Jesus on the last night, the night he gets betrayed, and after supper he takes a towel and a basin, and he washes the feet of every disciple in the room. <laughs> he takes the lowest place. So many of us, even as Christians, are being like, oh, I want to be up here. Jesus said, you want to be up here? Let's change it around. The greatest among you is him who serves. You're not looking to put themselves out so that, and that's what we do. You know, watch it on sometimes Facebook and people are giving money to, to they're giving, here's someone poor, not that you're poor, my dear, but anyway. Like here, let me get a picture of this. Look at me, look how godly I am. 
You've received your reward. Jesus said, do it in secret there. But here, Jesus, in absolute obedience to the Word of God, in absolute obedience to the Father, He's declaring open war. Not with a sword, but He's doing it with His life. He's doing it in meekness and gentleness. See, it stems from a trust. It stems from a trust that, Father, You have absolute dominion over my life. And every step that I take, I'm doing it in obedience to you. And you've got my back, whatever happens. See, some of us go through, there's sickness can come through. Yeah, yeah people, can Christians get sick? Yeah, they can. Otherwise, you wouldn't need gifts of healing. But situations, circumstances come against you and you're like, you know, I, I hate these things and I don't want these things. And you fight against the circumstance instead of looking up and asking, Father, Father, what are you doing in me right now that I can learn? It may be to war against that and to rebuke it and to get rid of it. But sometimes, even Jesus learned obedience by what he suffered. There are some things in your life that God's not going to remove. So that your dependence is not self-sufficiency. I don't know, everyone's giggling. I don't know, I missed something. But some of you are like, no, I just wanted ease. I don't want any bumps in the road. Early on in my Christian life, as I was praying through, uh, in conversation with the Lord, Lord, is it better not to have any, any enemies or to be stronger than your enemies. And the Lord asked me that. What do you, do you think? And I thought about it. I was like, well, I suppose it's being greater than your enemies. There's more glory in it. Lord, help us. But we win not by domination. We, we win by submitting to God's purpose and his will for your life. Isn't that what lordship means? Jesus, your Lord, your master, you're my boss. Because in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the things that we do go through, sometimes we struggle with stuff. We're like, I don't want to. And he's, but what it's doing is God's using it like a bit and a bridle to draw us near to himself so that our trust is in him and him alone. We, we demand it gets changed. And what right, um, what right do you have to demand of him anything? He's the Lord of glory, you're not. Humble yourself under his mighty hand and he will exalt you in due time. When Jesus declares war riding in, he's fulfilling the prophetic announcement of being the king of Israel who's riding in. And he says, Israel, don't be afraid, daughter of Zion. Don't fear. Your king is coming to you, lowly, riding on a donkey. And he's going to win the battle. <laughs> See, when Jesus goes to the cross, please hear me, Colossians 2, I think it's verse 15. When Jesus grows to the cross, do you realize that, that his, 
is he's taking down darkness. He's taking down the enemy's weapons. He's disarming him. And you can say with both hands nailed behind his back. He's taking away sin. And that means death loses its grip. And the weapon that the devil used in Hebrews 2, what is that Hebrews I wrote that one down so I didn't miss it. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Jesus goes down into death. He doesn't go to hell. He doesn't go to the lake of fire to suffer there. He finishes the work on the cross. Remember what he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to hell now. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He said, it's finished. He didn't go to hell. He bore hell on the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He bore it all there on the cross. It's a full, final, finished payment. (coughs) And then he goes into death to destroy it from the inside out and said "Those, those that had died in the season before under the old covenant. He said, guys, it's time to go into the presence of God because now the blood has been shed. The payment has been made. Those that were held, often referred to as Abraham's bosom. Now he leads them triumphantly out into the presence of God. We won't have to go to a holding place like that, absent from the body present Lord. But the Bible says that inasmuch as the children have partaken in flesh and blood, he became like us. He himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the... Now, I want to say a side note here. I was never told that early on in my Christian life. I was told when if someone dies, it was always God's fault. What does the Bible tell you? Who had the power of death? The devil did. Lord, help us on that. Can someone get taken out before their time? Seems so. You say, well, how do you get that? Well, did Lazarus die before his time? That's why he was raised from the dead. Or do you think he got extra playing time? It was the purpose of God. Everything was fulfilled in the will of God. That little girl, Jairus' daughter, 12, She died before her time. The devil was a sneaky little. And Jesus came to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and to release those who through the fear of death. Let me me be clear. Jesus had victory over Satan. Absolute victory over Satan. See, I don't know, it's just in my spirit. If there's someone here, you feel that, yeah, the devil's got the power of death, like that's a good thing. Wait till he claims you. But I'm telling you, Jesus has absolute authority. And his is over all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he says. That means he's removed it from him. Jesus has all authority. He's dealt with sin, and sin brings death. And he's dealt with the devil and made him subject. He's removed his, 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 his armament. He's disarmed principalities and powers. 
making a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them in the cross. So what, if you belong to Jesus, what do you need to be afraid of? Just him. And please hear me. You say, well, I don't need to fear God because he loves me. Yeah, he loves you. But Jesus said, fear him who can take body and soul and cast it into hell. Don't feel, fear those who just can hurt you physically. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's wise. Don't lose that, please. As much as we're accepted in him, he's still awesome in power. Glorious in his being. <coughs> Angels, <laughs> fear to tread, they cover their feet and their face in the presence of Almighty God. John the Apostle, when seeing the resurrected Christ, hit the floor as though he was dead. I kind of think he was because Jesus put his hand on him and he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he did something for him. But Jesus declares war. He declares war and coming in meekly. See, the fruit of the Spirit are weapons of warfare in the face of this world. See, we think, we hear this phrase, fight fire with, who told you that? God didn't. He said, you overcome evil with good. Darkness, you don't fight with darkness. What do you fight it with? Light. You come in as the light. And what does darkness have to do? It has to flee. We come in when others are aggressive. We come in gentle. They don't know what to do with you. They come in with hate. You walk in with love. These are weapons of mass destruction to the kingdom of darkness. You say, well, how does it work? Who's going to defend you? He will. And when God moves, who's going to stop him? If he opens a door, who can close it? If he shuts something up and hides you away with God in Christ, who's going to find you? Oh, Lord, help us. Even King David, the mighty King David, a warrior prophet, a warrior poet. <coughs> still wouldn't raise his hand against Saul. Meekness until the timing's right. Jesus comes in lowly. By his very action, he's declaring war. He's declaring, I'm king. In Jerusalem, Jerusalem has been fought over how many times? In fact, it's still being fought over. Jesus says, I'm king. In fact, even when they crucified him, Pilate made sure everybody knew, king of the Jews in three languages. King on a cross. And meekness and gentleness and humility, bearing our sin on his body. The Father laid on him. Please hear me. The Father laid our iniquities on him. He became the, recipro the, the recipient. He didn't, didn't take our sin. Our sin was laid on him. He received it in his body as he took him and bled and took it into the tomb. I'm king. You 
You know, mercy becomes a king. <laughs> it was interesting going to some of these leaders' meetings this last week. Some of these leaders, they've got like literally hundreds of churches that they lead. They're in jeans and trainers and a t-shirt. If you looked at him, you think, you're nobody special. But when you carry authority and your position is given to you from heaven, you don't have to act like you're important. Oh, Lord, help us. See, we think it's all outward appearance. I have to look the part, right? God uses the weak things of the world, the despised things of the world. He uses them, calls them. I think it's the most amazing thing. I look at some of y'all, and some of you are like pretty ordinary. But the power of God's in you. So why do I need to look special if the power of God lives in me? If I can lay hands on the sick and God answers my prayer. I don't have to look the part. John the Baptist covered in camel skin and a leather belt. With, with bad breath of bugs. And yet all Israel came out to him. And no greater prophet in the world, up to that point, no greater prophet had been revealed. Don't worry about the outward. It's the inward that counts. And Jesus is king. Please hear me. You know, in the preaching of the gospel and Jesus is touching your heart, you say, well, Jesus, if you want to save me, you're just going to have to do it. Trust me, he's doing it. But he's calling you to respond to him. He's calling you to say yes to him. Yes, he has to initiate something, otherwise you're still blind. But he's calling you out to respond. In fact, he commands all men everywhere to repent. And women, by the way. You know, he wants us to respond with a willing spirit. He doesn't come in and... Well, if he needs to, I hope he does at times. Jonah wasn't really willing, but he had to kind of get pretty intense with him. But he wants you to have a willing spirit, a willing heart. Yes, Lord. I delight to do your will, O oh God. Becomes his king. Let me, let me just touch on this for a couple of minutes before we finish. It just, <coughs> I, I've heard people say, well, uh, Jesus is my Savior. He's just not my Lord. Maybe if you've never heard that, don't worry about it. Then just put it out of your head. But I've heard people say it. Well, I received Jesus as Savior and not my Lord. That's impossible because he is Lord. The Bible says that we believe that God raised him from the dead and confess with our mouth that Jesus is not Savior. He's king. He comes to be king in your heart. And when he's king in your heart, there's only one response to him, really. It's yes, Lord. Yes. Put it down. Yes. Pick it up. Yes. Jump. Yes. Go, yes. He's king. Those who submit to him 
are saved. Those who confess your Lord and submit to him, they find the power of God at work in their life and their body. And he brings salvation. Not my will, but your king. You say, yeah, but, yeah, but. He's king. If you don't want him as your king, okay, that's up to you, but you perish. There isn't another way. Jesus is the king of heaven. And the church is the bride, not Mary. Mary is not the queen of heaven, by the way. He says, I'm king. He says he's declaring, I'm Messiah. I'm I'm Israel's salvation. I'm the salvation for the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he comes and he's declaring it openly. But can I say there's something odd about it because even when he's doing it, people aren't fully getting it. Do you realize that, that those that had been baptized by John the Baptist, when Jesus came preaching, they received the word for themselves. Those who didn't and hadn't humbled themselves, they rejected God's purpose. So I'm going to say to you, please hear me. Sometimes as God's working and he's wanting you to respond now, you say, no, I'll wait. Be really careful with that mind. Because it was those that had responded when the, when the gospel of the kingdom was first preached with John who responded and humbled themselves that when the next step came, their hearts were open to it. They weren't hardened by it. You say, really? Yes. Oh, I always find time runs off on me. Let me just take you on to show you this. This might shock a few of you. John, same text there in chapter, chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 37 down to 41. <coughs> this is the apostle John writing this. But although he had done so many, what? Signs, that's the miraculous, isn't it? The power of God manifest. He did so many signs before them, they what? Didn't believe. Now can I just say this? We love signs and wonders, amen? They don't necessarily bring faith. I wish it did, I really do. I loved apologetics. I love, I've spoken in universities defending the existence of God. I've watched people come to the conclusion, yep, but I don't want it, thanks. I'm in shock. And then we've seen the miraculous on the other side where it's not just intellectual, but it's the power of God manifest, people getting healed. And you say, you want to follow Jesus? No, thanks. There was a lady who came to our church. She was delivered of five demons, five. The last one, Pastor Claire and I were in her house. And she, she a little duck of a lady, 60s, had been healed of osteoarthritis. It was amazing to see God's power manifest. And I remember the last one, we were in the house and she turned to me and she goes, you, I won't use the language she used, effing blah, 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 and went for my throat. And out of me came this voice. 
was the voice of the Spirit of God. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And she flew across the room. I grabbed Pastor Claire's hand. I said, we're out of here. (laughs) The Lord set her free. She lost all her disability money and said, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. We can think that we can think that the power in them Miracles and the signs are going to make them believe. I wish it were true. It's a heart issue. I'm going to say this to you. The heart issue can only be rectified by the Holy Spirit's ministry within them. If you're a believer this morning, do you know who convinced you? Not a preacher, not a pastor, not yourself. But the Spirit of the living God opened up your understanding so that you could catch it. Because no man understands the things of the Spirit unless he has the Holy Spirit at work. Lord, help us in this. Because Jesus writing in, yet they didn't believe. And he goes on to say, verse 38, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? This is Isaiah 53. This is the whole passage on the cross, isn't it? Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who opens up the eyes, Lord? How can they see? Therefore, this is... (coughs) What does it say? Therefore they... Wow. It's not that they just wouldn't. It says that they... You realize salvation is of the Lord entirely. Say, well, I'm struggling to believe. Well, then who do you talk to about it? Cry out to Him. Plead. Lord, I'm struggling. Plead. Because it isn't your power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Not for those who have enough self-help effort. Not for those who have self-reliance. Not for those who are self-willed. Not for those who say, I can do it on my own. No, you can't. You don't have the power. But when the Spirit of God comes, He's the one that switches everything on so you can see. So when those moments come of humbling yourself, I've heard people say, well, I can do it at home. I don't have to do it in church. I don't care where you are, but if God's near, call upon him. Don't harden your heart. Respond to him. Say, well, I I don't like doing that in front of people. Humble yourself. Stop worrying about what everyone else thinks because in the end, it's him you stand before. I tell you, you wouldn't want to be one who watches the Son of God ride by and you don't take a second look. They couldn't believe. Because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts lest they should see with their eyes, lest that they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. These are scary verses for me. Humble yourself. 
Meekness is a weapon of warfare. Humility is the process that God uses for salvation. God gives grace to the resists the proud. Our king, my king, the king of glory, made no defense. He came meek and he bore my sin in his body on the tree. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly and he opened up not his mouth in defense. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And God has highly exalted him and now given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth. All of them giving glory to God the Father in that confession he's Lord. Can I say to you that today, if for you, like, well, I don't want to. One day you will. You won't have a choice. But if you do it this side, there's salvation in his name. Oh, he is the king of glory. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And He's my King. Is He your King this morning? If He's your King, then walk in His steps. Lord, help us with this this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name. Father, thank You that Christ came and was willing to become obedient. He humbled Himself came in the likeness of men and bore our humanity and was tempted in all ways like we are, yet was without sin. He became like one of us, even to the point of death, so that he could destroy him who had the power of death, so that he could take away the the weapons of warfare that the evil one had, disarming principalities and powers. And I thank you that today we already know the end of the story that you raised Jesus from the dead and you have exalted him to your right hand. And Lord, he will be vindicated. All eyes will see him. And in that day, every knee will bow. And we thank you today that we can follow in his steps. Help us today to trust your purposes, to trust your intent for our lives. Lord, not to think that we have to do it or we have to put ourselves out or to try to make everyone look at us. But Lord, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand and you will exalt us in due time. In Jesus' name, amen.